Welcome to the Bible for Kids podcast with your hosts, best-selling children's author Amy Parker and author and co-creator of VeggieTales, Mike Naraki. If instilling biblical values in kids is important to you, this podcast will help give you the resources, wisdom, and hope to do just that. Now let's join our hosts, Amy and Mike, for this week's episode. I am Mike Naraki. And I'm Amy Parker. And we are doing a podcast, and uh, we have no idea what we're doing because we've one never of done us, a podcast. One of us knows what he's doing. Well, I don't really know because, I mean, I've spent a lot of time, obviously, behind the microphone um, doing voice work. but um, And then, you know, being on the radio at various times and whatever. But I've never done a podcast, so I really don't know. You know, it's just, it'll, be, it'll be a new adventure for me, so I'm excited about it. And I've spent a lot of time talking and watching Veggie Tales. So I'm basically an expert. <laughs> That's right. Well, but 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 Amy and I. So this is the Bible for Kids podcast, and we are both uh, authors. This is a uh, an author's podcast, um, and Amy and I are fortunate enough to work with uh, some really great people over at Brentwood Studios who represent us as authors. And so we thought it'd be a great idea um, to talk about books and books for kids, and and more specifically. Um, helping kids with bi- biblical literacy and biblical values uh, through through books. And so um, Amy's been writing kids' books for many years. How many how many years have you been writing books? Um, probably 15 or so. Oh, nice. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And I've been, obviously with VeggieTales, I've been involved since, boy, the early 90s. So that's 25 years or so. Wow. And then I've done a couple of veggie books over the years, but just recently have gotten more into books. And I have a series, a new series out called The Dead Sea Squirrels. Uh, that I'm really excited about and uh, have done some other um, projects with Michael W. Smith writing books. So um, so I, I love it. And just having the opportunity to tell stories in a different way is is a lot of fun. And so so that's kind of what we want this podcast to be about. And so we're going to we're going to interview each other and to find out more about each other, because we really don't know a whole lot about each other, you know, other than, you know, we're represented by, um, you know, Dan Lynch, who's our buddy over here standing in the wings. Hey, Dan. And um Dan's waving. I'm narrating. And so, um, uh, but yeah, so I'm going to find out a little bit more about Amy. She's going to find out a little bit more about me. And then in future episodes, we'd love to bring on uh, other Christian authors, Christian musicians, people who speak into that space of of passing on biblical values um, uh, to kids and to teens. Uh, but, you know, we just think it's, it's really important and hopefully this, this can be a, a great resource. Absolutely. And for the resident mama here, it's like at the end of the day when you feel like everything's gone wrong and you feel like you need to instill a bit bit of that inspiration into your kids, what are the best resources to go to? What are our trusted voices out there, Um, whether it be through song or writing or film? Who can we go to to trust um, to instill these values in our kids? So we hope to be able to point parents and... um, teachers and church leaders to these types of and grandparents and grandparents and aunts and uncles and, and uncles. Cousins. Yeah. <laughs> All those hip grandparents listening to podcasts, you know, That's on right. their, on their morning jogs. Did you just say podcast? Uh, did I say pod podcasts? I think we created a new word. <laughs> All right. I think that'd be great. It's a whole new uh, segment. Yes. So, okay. Well, so what should we do? I, you know, I was actually looking on my phone cause I, 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 we were talking before and there is an app that actually flips a coin. It's a yes. coin flipping app, but I tried to download it. And 
and uh, I forgot my iCloud password, and so Would I could Would you like me to go old school and get an actual coin? Yeah, All yeah. Right. Okay, we're going to get an actual coin. A- Amy's reaching for an actual coin, and she's going to flip the coin, and whoever wins uh, gets to go first. So is it, or do we get to go first by being interviewed or by interviewing? It's up to the person who wins the coin toss. Oh, okay, great. That sounds good. All right. Okay, Amy's reaching for her coin. She's got I have it. the coin. Okay, great. All right. Okay, so I'm going to flip it. Okay, and I'll call I'll call heads or tails when it's in the midair. Okay, okay. All right. Heads. It is heads, so All you, right. your choice. All right, so I'm going to interview Amy. That's what I'm going to do. So. <laughs> All right. All right. So, all right. We're getting to know Amy Parker, uh, children's author. So let's start from the beginning, Amy. Uh, where are you from anyway? Where did you tell me? Tell me a little bit about that, this, where you're this born. This seems like an obvious answer, but I was born and raised here in the South, in Middle Tennessee, actually. Which, um, which if you're not from Middle Tennessee, well, even if you are from Middle Tennessee, it's not, that's not common because it's such a, uh, this area has exploded you're not uh, from around here yeah, are you? <laughs> yeah. over the last but i've been here for like 18 you know 15 years and it's a different place than when i moved here and so Absolutely. many people are for some somewhere else you know so it's it's unusual to find a native wow so that's great so are you from franklin from nashville where, where well from? um so i guess technically i was born in nashville mm-hmm. but i was raised in a tiny town called watertown which mm-hmm. is um about an hour east of nashville um, population 1600. So wow. tiny town. They record a lot of music videos there now, but okay. it's, it's really a real life Mayberry town. Oh, that's so cool. So what was, what was life like for you growing up in a town like that, like school and all of that? Well, so in a nutshell, I like to say everyone knew everything about you and if they didn't, they made it up. So <laughs> it was, uh, but no, it was good. I mean, the, um, the postmaster was also our song leader at church, and um, you could say the big house on the hill on Holmes Gap Road, and he knew exactly where to take the mail. And um, so it was just this tiny town of every, like a family, like it really was like a family. My neighbor was also my math teacher. Um, we would play at her house all the time. We knew her long before she was our math teacher. So it was just this community that really came together and supported each other. And there is the small town thing, too, that's going on in the background. But um, but really, it was a beautiful place to, to grow up. Now, when you say the small town thing that was going on in the back, background, what, what does that mean? I just mean nothing to do. Well, actually, we made our own fun. We would, you know, um, like the country songs talk about, about like, having a bonfire in a field kind of thing. I mean, that's really... That's a real thing. That's yeah, a real yeah. thing. Or having a party in the creek or... Um, the, did you float the river in tubes? Did you do that? Um, was there a river to float? We or? went to the river. Uh-huh. We went cliff jumping. Okay, okay. So we swam in the blue hole. Okay. So, yeah, so a lot of fun. Um, okay. And making your own fun and driving up and down Main Street, that okay. kind of stuff. So Luke Bryant um, is not lying then. Um. No, no. I mean, uh, okay, yeah. Uh, a lot of that stuff comes from real experiences. Yeah, I would say that's so. Awesome. So I can relate to country music in that way. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Well, so so cool. So you grew up. Um, you said church. So you grew up in a Christian household then. I did. Um, and we grew up. So my mom was a preacher's kid, and her dad was a preacher's kid. So I come from a long line of preachers. Um. And so when we were growing up, 
we did the, you know, church every time the door opens thing. But it was a little bit different back then. I, I never remember like being at home and actually having application of the values that we, I mean, I don't mean that it, being taught the application of the values that we learned in church. I mean, mm-hmm. we were, you know, everybody tried to be good people and all that stuff. But I can remember after church one Sunday going to eat at a restaurant and the dad beside me was talking to his kids about Noah and the story of Noah and they were asking him questions. And I remember thinking that was so weird that they were talking about Noah at the restaurant and mm-hmm. not. So that made me realize how compartmentalized we were. So, oh, so, oh I see what you're saying. Yeah. So Noah for you was for Sunday school talks, right. but, but not for restaurant talks. Which is talk. so weird. Yeah, so yeah. for me as a parent, I kind of try to do the opposite. Um, we're not as good at being there every time the doors open, you know, every Sunday and Wednesday and well, and church services have just changed in general. But um but I really try to bring that daily application. Like we pray on the way to school. We listen to Way FM every morning on the way to school. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so my kids start off with Christian music in their heads and a prayer to start off their day. Um, I read my Bible every day um, and, you know, start my day with that devotional time. So that daily um, instilling of the Bible and God's word, that's really important to me. I want to make that that real to my kids, too. And where, you know, so, so you said you didn't grow up, grow up with that necessarily, but when did that, did that become important to you when you became a parent, or was it before you became a parent, or when, when was that? Um, I think it's always been there in a way, because, you know, that legacy of faith thing is certainly something that quite literally runs through my blood, but um, but I don't I think it's been a gradual process. Um, the reading the Bible every morning thing started when I was in my 30s, you know, so I had two kids by that point. Um, and the listening to Way FM every morning, we were listening to I had two teenage middle school um, kids in my car um, and they were listening to Top 40 and there was stuff on that I'm just like, I don't know that you need to start your day with this. And so from that point on, we just changed the channel and started the day with something inspirational. They may get it somewhere else, but in my car on the way to school, we're getting inspiration on the way to school. Mm-hmm. And the daily prayer thing, um, I don't really even remember when that started. But so it's just been a gradual process yeah. of finding different ways to infuse God into our daily lives. I used to. Uh, not so much anymore, but when they were little and gave me attitude or whatever, I would have them write off Bible verses. <laughs> so, <laughs> like writing on the chalkboard? Yes. Yeah, um, nice. Yes. Um, honor your father and mother and you will live long in the <laughs> land that I have given you. <laughs> you know, good, that good kind advice. of thing. So, yeah. um, so anyway, I just really try to make it part of our daily lives and not so much a compartmentalized thing. Yeah, yeah. Well, cool. So, so. When did you realize that you loved to write? I think I always did. Of course, I realize everything in hindsight. Um, I'm not so much the reflective, proactive um, thinker, but I, so I see everything in. I'm a, I'm a ready, fire, aim kind of person. <laughs> um, but my mom would buy me journals when I was little, and I still have one of those journals. And I have poetry when when I was age. Seven, I think I actually wrote my age in there at the time. And so I have poems from when I was 
seven years old that I had written. So I think I always love to write. I have always loved language. I've always loved talking. My parents used to say, if you will be quiet for just five minutes, we'll give you a dollar. And I never <laughs> earned the dollar. So um, That would have been a great way for me to earn money as a kid. <laughs> um, I couldn't do it. So I think I've always loved language, um, but I I didn't really think about writing as a career, as a real way to earn money, as a real job. And it's still not a real job, but... Um, or it doesn't feel like a real job. <laughs> it doesn't feel like a real job, but yeah. it, it does help to pay the bills. So. <laughs> so now, is that something that you studied in school? Were you like an English major or what, what was your educational journey? So Ready, Fire, Aim. Mm-hmm. I started, I declared my major in nursing. Okay. Um, yep. <laughs> and, um, oh, so was this like after you had been going for like a year or so? No, or did my, you just... when I entered college, uh-huh. my declared major was nursing. Okay. I'm not, I worked at a hospital at the time and I loved it. So I guess that's what I was thinking. Mm-hmm. But then I, and I'm not really sure what the catalyst was, but I suddenly just flipped it to English. So you, you probably uh, cleaned one too many bedpans or something. Was that what it was? <laughs> that didn't really bother me. No. Okay. All yeah. right. I was a mom. So, uh, you know. Uh-huh. Um, but I changed my major to English and decided I was going to be an English teacher. And then about my junior year, I did an internship at Tommy Nelson, um, just on a whim really, and fell completely in love with the publishing industry. And I didn't, I didn't care what I did in the publishing industry. I just wanted to be there. So as an intern, which was 20 years ago in October, I started as an intern, um, I made copies. I, um, fielded copies. Yeah. I fielded copyright requests. Um, I once called Frank Peretti at 5 a.m. in California by accident. Oh, nice. Yeah. Um, yeah. so I learned a lot <laughs> as an intern. Um, uh-huh. but, um, and so then I thought my dream job was being an editor mm-hmm. and, I got my dream job as an editor, and then six, nine months into that job. So you're good at spelling then? I can spell things. Wow. So that's, I'm impressed because I am not a good speller. And it's and it's actually kind of sad considering I write so much. You know, I don't know what I would do without a, a word word processor because it's it's so my so my wife and I know this is about you, it's not about me, but my wife who is native Spanish speaking actually spells better in English than I do <laughs> because she studies the language and that that yeah. actually really makes sense. <clears throat> um, but I think that's a misconception too that people say I can't write because. They can't spell. Yeah, yeah. Or they yeah. can't write the way their, you know, English teacher taught them. That you know, it's about spelling and grammar, and that's, yeah, yeah. But writing is really about the the big ideas, right? And yeah, those communicating down stories and, and all that. Yeah, right. it's, it's more about story structure. Yeah, because I know I I lean on my editor. Well, you know, because you, now you've got word processors, so you can make sure okay, my grammar and spelling is at least passable. <laughs> so yes. and grammar has actually not been a problem for me, but it's more of the spelling thing. And you know, so it's like okay, everything that's underlined red, I can you know, I can deal with that. But I just lean very heavily on my editor now to. And I to, think there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. And some of the most creative writers are horrible at spelling and periods and commas and all that stuff. But I sort of nerd out about that stuff. Yeah. Um, But I did find, so I was an editor for a little while and then they let me go and I thought I'd lost my dream job. But then I found out uh, they asked me to start freelancing. And as a freelancer, I didn't even know what freelancing was. So I was 
crying and um, but yeah, <laughs> that's just was, a way a company saying we really like what you do, but we don't want to pay you as much. Right. Well, and we can't give you benefits. Yes. Yeah. yeah so, yeah. Um, but I did start freelancing, and as a freelancer, I was able to do other writing opportunities. I was mm-hmm. able to do, and so the more I wrote, the more I realized how much I really loved writing. The more I realized you could actually get paid for writing. Yeah. Yeah. And um, so I wrote catalog copy. I wrote the back of DVD copy. Um, anything I could get my hands on. And then I adapted a few adult books into teen or kids books. And um, and then in 2008, I think, um, A Night Night Prayer was published, which was the first one with just my name on it. That was just my oh, okay. idea. Oh, good. So, okay, so that one of my questions for you was, um, uh, did you decide you wanted to be an author or was authorship thrust upon you? <laughs> <laughs> the great Shakespeare quote. <laughs> oh, I tell people that God pushed me through every door that got uh-huh. me to where I am today. I take uh-huh. no credit for it whatsoever. Um, I was pushed through every door kicking and screaming. He had to fire me from my editorial job in order to show me that I could be an author and that writing was what I really loved. Yeah, because that, that's that's a scary thing just to say, okay, here's my idea and I'm going to put it out there. And, you know, it's very scary. It's yeah. like, you know, it's your baby and you're putting your baby out there to the world and then people criticize your baby. <laughs> um, <laughs> Especially you know, on so, the Internet. Yeah, oh, yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, yes. But that's basically the, the path of how I got to be a writer. And so Night Night Prayer was picked up and it sold pretty well. And they're like, okay, maybe we should do another one. And so we did another one. And, and how, how here long, we are. How, how long was Night Night Prayer? What, 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 and what, it was obviously for like, uh, like toddlers or what was the, what, what was yes, the, the audience for that? So it's a board book mm-hmm. and um, preschool zero to five. Okay. Okay. Nice. Something like that. And so it was meant for parents to read to their kids or, and yes. maybe if they're a little bit older to read that on their own. Right. So it was inspired by my redhead, who is the stereotypical redhead, and was not going to, he was not going to sleep one night. And um, I had tried everything, sung all the songs and read all the books. And finally, I was just exhausted. And I sat back and I looked out the window and I saw a tree out the window. And I said, shh, the trees are sleeping. And he kind of settled in and looked out the window and um, and I thought, okay, what else is sleeping? What else is sleeping? Uh, the sun, the sun <laughs> uh-huh. is sleeping. Uh-huh. And so I went through several rounds of that and mm-hmm. he eventually settled in and went to sleep. And then I woke up at two or 3 AM with that lightning bolt moment of this verse ringing in my ears. And so I just went and jotted it down quickly. And oh, nice. the next week or so, um, I presented it to the publisher there because I was still working as a freelancer at Tommy Nelson and um, I think they were a little skeptical at first, but mm-hmm. um, once they read it, they were like, okay, this is, this is doable. So yeah. we did it. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's awesome. Yeah. Well, that's cool. So I guess that's, and is that kind of how things come to you? You'll get a little bit of a real life situation that you kind of note that say, oh, okay, that's interesting. And then you jot something down and then work, work on it from there. A, a lot of times that's how the inspiration comes. And I, I have this notebook full of just those little moments where I just write down a one sentence idea of something that I think is catchy or what you might call the hook of a song or whatever. I'll write that down in this notebook. Um, And then I'm also, you know, a writer that is my career. That is my day job. So we also do, you know, strategically plan books and releases like night, night Bible stories that just came out. We have this entire night, night series that parents seem to like. And um, 
So we thought a, a Bible storybook would be a natural extension of this series. So, mm-hmm. of course, that's not really a spark of inspiration per se, um, but well, it's one of those strategic planning moments. Right, and, and really, because you're obviously you're dealing with Bible stories, but the way, the, the flavor that you treat that with and just the, the way that you present them, you know, is in your voice. It's in, you know, so that's... Yes, and, and I you've got to be inspired by a kind of a kind of the direction you want to take with exactly, that. exactly. And even in those books that are strategically planned, um, for instance, we did. Um, they said, "Okay, kids love trains. Let's do night night train." And I'm like, "Night night train? Like, how can you say night night to a train?" And so I was skeptical myself mm-hmm. at mm-hmm. first. And I started digging into it. And I'm like, okay, there are all these different cars on the train. And there are all these different people who work on a train. And so I really researched that and made all of those people characters on it. And Night Night Train is really one of my favorites. I really um, just love the cadence and the repetition. And it's just so, it's really, I look back at it now and I'm like, okay, how did I, how did I do that? (laughs) So um, even though that was one that was strategically planned, I feel like I did find that spark of inspiration along the way and it came yeah. out to be something beautiful. Well, yeah. And I found that too, just working on stuff. I mean, you, you, where, where you may not know exactly what you're getting into on the onset. Uh, so much of the work of writing is just work. It's like you, you, you get in and you start to, you know, kind of hammer out an idea. Uh, and then really in the process of, of writing, of putting words on paper, you know, you're able to form ideas that lead to other ideas that, you know, kind of come all come together. So, um, exactly. yeah. And, and I remember, you know, early on thinking about writing in the sense of, OK, well, I've got as soon as I formulate this whole thing in my mind, then writing is basically just putting it down on paper. And it couldn't be more different. You know, it couldn't be uh, more opposite than reality. You know, the, the, the act of writing itself is actually in creating the, the story. Yes. It's like you you sit down and it's daunting because you have a blank page or you have just this one idea or this title or whatever. And you're like, I'm never just the other day I sat down and I'm like, I've got to finish this manuscript. And I wrote, you know, whatever was present on my screen, I finished that up. And then I'm like, Oh my goodness, I'm, I'm finished with this book. (laughs) Like it's finished. (laughs) Uh So it's just this, I, I, I hesitate to say magical, but it's almost like this magical thing happens when you sit down and you start writing and things just sort of appear on the screen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is really. Yeah, no, I've I found that to be true as well. Yeah. And and it's just and it and it's really neat. And you can and, and you get charged. I mean, for me, I get charged in that. You know, and absolutely. And so nothing is more difficult, but nothing is more rewarding at the same time. I completely so, agree. Um, I love that. So, do you have a favorite book that you've that you've written? That I've written. You know, I mean, like I said, they're they're your babies. They're your kids, and you can't really have a favorite kid, right? So, um, but. Um, the Night Night Bible Stories, I really, even though there's been a million Bible story books done, I love the way um, the stories turned out and the different elements um, of it. So I, I really do love that book. The, the illustrations are absolutely breathtaking. Virginia Allen is is so talented. And have you worked with her a lot? Is, is she, so yeah. she is, um, she's done the last several Night Night books for mm-hmm. us, and she just brings the perfect... Um, mood the perfect feel i guess to the night night series yeah. so she's done the last several and yeah. um and then she's done the night night bible stories and the night night devotions comes out in the fall she's doing that one too yeah. so they're just they're just gorgeous but the plans i have for you is based on jeremiah 29:11 and that was another one where i just sort of heard this voice in my head saying hey you i've got big plans for you and 
I'm like, if God were a, were able, which he can, but it, it was just the way I heard God speaking that message over my life or into my kids' lives. And, um, you know, it wasn't the stilted words. It was just God speaking to you like, like a father, like, I've got big plans for you. Be excited about those plans. I've got good plans for you. Yeah. So just the enthusiasm of that is brought to life in the plans I have for you. So I'll, I also really love that. Um, and then, I, okay, I love them all. See, it's like asking a grandparent about her grandkids. <laughs> and then there's this one thing about this one book, yeah. Yes, yeah. but the Faith, Hope, and Love series mm-hmm. is, um, it started off with just how big is love. That was the spark of inspiration that came to me. And then my agent said, this really should be a series. You know, can we do Faith, Hope, and Love? And so we did Faith, Hope, and Love board books. And then we did a devotional that was all three tied together. And Breezy Brookshire and her just gorgeous watercolor illustrations um, bring so much to that series as well. You can just really feel the heart in in that series because of her illustrations. Yeah, yeah. And so... um how many how many books have you written? Do you recall? You could put so a number. I on keep it. a running list because uh-huh. I get asked this question a uh-huh. lot. Um, I am almost to sixty with my name on them. Now, if you count the ones that don't have my name on them, then it's uh-huh. upwards of that. But um, yeah. I think I'm at fifty nine. Oh wow, that's yeah. really cool. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So I guess in that sense, then um, and then. Like, do you have like sales? Like how many books? You yes. Know? So my how... good agent makes uh-huh. me track my sales. <laughs> um, uh-huh. So we're approaching, we're, we're pretty quickly approaching 2 million in sales. Yeah. Millions and millions. Millions and millions and billions. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Well, congratulations. Thank you. So, um, yeah. And, you know, you, you, the Night Night series, you know, all the books that you've written are just just wonderful. So I would encourage folks to check those out. All right, so this wraps up our uh, segment of Mike Interviews Amy. Uh, And so just look for our podcast and other great podcasts on waynation.com. And uh, you can follow us on Facebook or Instagram um, at The Bible for Kids. Uh, You can visit us online at thebibleforkids.com, amyparkerbooks.com, and mikenaraki.com. So thank you, everybody, for listening to this portion of Mike Interviews Amy. Thanks for listening to the Bible for Kids podcast with Amy Parker and Mike Naraki. Be sure to connect with the Bible for Kids on Instagram and Facebook and at thebibleforkids.com. The Bible for Kids podcast is part of the Way Nation podcast network. Find more podcasts at waynation.com.